Welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, hello and welcome again. My name is Michael. I'm uh, the lead pastor here at Long Hill Chapel, and we're glad that you're with us. And today, on this holiday weekend, we are closing out our summer series called The Power of Belief. It's hard to believe that summer is over, but fall is right upon us. And really what we've been doing all summer is exploring a simple but a very profound idea. And it's this, that the things we do in life are guided by and they're determined by what we believe. And this isn't just like the spiritual things. This isn't just like your faith system or what you believe about Christianity or Jesus or God. This is literally about everything. All of the things you do in life are underpinned by a belief system. There's a group of things that you believe. Some of them you're aware of them and some of them you're not, but it determines how we go through life in every single direction. And so another way of saying that is this, what we actually believe, it's borne out by what we do. You can say you believe a lot of things, but really it's shown by how you live and how we live. And so as people, people who, if you're a Jesus follower and you've decided that Jesus is your Savior and Lord and you're following after him with your life, uh, we are people who should be known for living differently. And so what we believe and why we believe it is incredibly and critically important because it takes us somewhere. It takes us on a journey. And that's really what the power of belief is all about. You know, we can look around our lives. We can look into history. Some of you can even look into your own past or into your family and your friends, and you can see the results of a belief system. You can see the results of a good version of that or even a negative version of that. We look into history, and we look at people who wholeheartedly believed terrible things, and it directed them in a direction. But then there are people who believed wonderful things. They put their faith in the right places, and it absolutely absolutely had a determining impact on how they lived their lives. And so the idea here is that belief is always leading you somewhere. It's always leading you in a direction. You may not know it is. You may not feel like it is. You may not even be aware of what the direction is, but you are always headed somewhere when it comes to your belief system. And so today, as we close the series out, we've really been exploring what are some of the foundational things we as Christians or Jesus followers build our system of faith, but also our lives on, and how does that work itself out, and why is it important But today, I want to really look at the end and say, where does this take us actually? What's the destination? If you build your life on these things that we've explored all summer, where does that take you? Because belief always takes you somewhere. Where does this road lead you? There was a man uh, in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament who we speak about often here, and his name was Paul. And he was one of the early leaders of the church, and that's how we mostly know him. But he had a life uh, that was very diverse, and he started out uh, as this rich, influential man who had risen into leadership and influence in the Jewish society and system. He was what was called a Pharisee, so he was a religious leader. He had wealth, he had power, and he had influence. He was known 
initially as being one of the great persecutors of the church. He started out as someone who really caused a lot of trouble for Christians. He put them in jail. He chased them down. He even had some of them killed. And he had this dramatic transformational experience where he went from being that to a Jesus follower. Can you imagine that kind of transformation? And so we read in scripture about this incredible journey that he had. He decided to follow Jesus. And what's interesting about his journey is that in many ways, his life actually got worse after he made that decision. You know, one of the things that we like to believe and that we hope is true, and sometimes it is true, is that if we just follow Jesus, like everything in our lives will make sense. Like all the things that we have questions about, all of the suffering and persecution that we find ourselves in, uh, you know, all of the difficulty that we face will somehow just all make sense. It'll either go away or like the clouds will roll back and we'll see this grand scheme of why everything fits together the way it does. We discover in the Apostle Paul's life, that that's not actually true. When we follow Jesus, very often our lives get harder. When we follow Jesus, very often, you know, we don't level up in life. We actually level down. When we follow Jesus, sometimes our questions don't have answers. But when we follow Jesus, all of those things, all of the questions, all of the difficulty, All of the things that just seem like big, insurmountable issues can actually have meaning and purpose. And the reason for that is because of the destination. The reason for that is where following Jesus leads us ultimately. And so when we know the destination, the journey, It may not always make sense. We may not always understand the twists and the turns, but we can have confidence in where it's leading us. And so in the life of the Apostle Paul, we discover because he lived that kind of life where things didn't get better, where he actually, he had less money and less power. He had more difficulty. Things led in the opposite direction very often of what the world around us tells us success looks like. But so in doing that, he had to develop a larger perspective. And we see him write about that in various places in the New Testament. One of those places is in the second letter to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. And he's writing to this church and he's saying, this is why this matters. This is where this leads us. This is where this journey, if you get on the journey, this is where it takes us. And so we're going to pick up today at verse 7 of chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians. And Paul says this, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And he's just been talking about what we get when we follow Jesus, what comes into our lives, what is the message and the transformation that happens in us when we do that. But there's this juxtaposition of two different ideas there. There's this idea of treasure, something that's valuable, something that is, uh, that does not easily destroy, that lasts and have worth but it's placed in jars of clay. Now you and I, we don't really deal with jars and we don't deal a lot with clay, but the idea here is that there's this treasure that's put into this fragile, unassuming, humble container. And what he's talking about here is he's talking about the fact that the treasure of Jesus, the message, the reality, following Jesus, the very presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, in our lives. It's like a treasure that's been put in an earthen vessel 
in a jar that's fragile and humble, and that jar is you, and that jar is me. And so what he's saying is he's saying when that's set up in our lives, in your life and in my life, it's actually the thing that shows that this isn't our idea. You know, we don't have that kind of power, but God does. And he goes on, he says this, and some of you, you feel that. You feel that after a year and a half like we've had, or even the past week. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We have all sorts of questions, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And he's holding together that same idea, that same tension that we saw, that there's this treasure that's in this fragile, humble vessel. You know, when we look at our lives, there's these moments that you and I have where we are faced with our own mortality. As we all get older, we see them more often. But there's these times where we see how fragile life is, how fragile our lives are. We know that when we look in the mirror, and we do that over a period of years, that things are not heading in our bodies in a positive direction. You know, there's hair that grows from places it never did before. Or maybe there's places where hair used to grow that it doesn't anymore. Things seem like they're headed south. You know, we can all see that in big ways and small ways in our own bodies. But there's this other thing, if you are a Jesus follower, that's happening right next to that. Life is being revealed. You're actually getting closer to the culmination rather than farther away. So in some ways in our physical bodies, we're getting farther away from the destination. We're getting farther away from the origin. We're getting older. Things are kind of headed in a downward direction. But at the same time, and this is our blessed hope, things are getting closer than ever before to the glorious destination that God has for you and I if we are in Christ. You know, there's a story, and I didn't even really intend to share this story. You know, my mother passed away uh, three decades ago almost uh, from cancer, and I was a, a young boy, I was a teenager. And I'm at the point in my life now where I can't even remember what her voice sounded like. It's been that long. And so that is far away. But I was thinking about this, and it's this idea that I'm actually getting closer to the time that I'll see and hear her again. And so as much as it's far away from the beginning, it's closer to the end. And in that, as much as there's the decline we see in our mortal bodies, the decline we see in our world, the decline we see in so many things, there's a blessed hope that the closer we get to it, the brighter it becomes. And that's something that we can build our lives on. And even, just like the Apostle Paul is saying here, even in the midst of the circumstances, the struggles, the difficulties, we are drawing closer and the light is getting brighter. At the same time, as it seems like things are going in the opposite direction in our bodies. And so what's up ahead is what makes what's happening now worth it. 
What's coming in front of us is the thing that gives our journey, it gives every step of it purpose, and it gives it meaning. In all of its difficulty, we know that the destination, we know that the culmination is worth it, that it's fixed, and there's nothing that can change that for those of us who are in Christ. Paul goes on, verse 13, he says, It's written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, here we go, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, Therefore, because we know that this is true, that we can hold on to this, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. You know, some of you, you look at your life and it doesn't feel like your troubles are light and momentary. But when you put them in perspective, when you put them in the perspective of what is drawing nearer and nearer, they are. And that's our blessed hope. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So then we do something. What do we do? So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. So what's the destination? In case you didn't catch it, here it is. If we're in Christ, even when we die, we'll be raised again with Jesus on the last day. Joey talked about the fact that resurrection awaits us a few weeks ago. That's the thing that we are promised in Christ. So we'll be raised again. So that seems like the end. That seems like the culmination of that, that downward trend that we're talking about. But it's actually a glorious beginning. It's the destination that makes it all worthwhile. But here's the other part of that. We will be joined together with all those who have gone before us with Jesus. We see that in verse 14 right there. He says, you and I and us and Jesus, we will be united. We will see each other again. That's what heaven is. And that's our blessed hope. It's why, if you've ever been to a Christian funeral where the person who has passed on you know, is, a, is a believer even when we mourn, we mourn not as those who don't have hope, but we mourn with hope and even joy. We mourn that we're separated, but we have joy that it's not the end of the story. Why? Because regardless of what happens in the now, the destination is certain. And the good news for you and I is that can be true not just with that ultimate end, not just with death, but with the circumstances in life that come our way. You know, periodically, I have two little kids, and uh, my wife and I, we love to try to watch like a TV series or movies together occasionally, and whenever we're able to actually get the kids off to bed, uh, we try to do that. I have this terrible habit that I've gotten into uh, since the uh, advent of the internet and smartphones, and it's this. When we're watching a series, I'll actually go on the internet, and I'll Google what happens next, and it's because I just don't like that much uncertainty in my life. 
I just can't handle it. I don't have the stomach for it. So I'll read the synopsis of the plot, and I still enjoy it, but I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen in, the, in this series or in the episode or in the movie. And so when it does happen, I'm not surprised, and it just makes my life a little bit easier. Uh, you know, some of you, you've been to a, a sports a, a game or a football game or a baseball game, and the team is down, and things are really not going good, and people start to leave the stands. I don't know if you've ever seen that. There's been a couple famous ones that have been on TV, but then the game turns around, and it's a surprise. It's something no one expected. But when you can look and know what's going to happen, whether it's a movie or something like that, it allows you to navigate through all of the twists and turns in a different manner because you're not surprised by them. When you know the ending already, you can sit through any number of plot twists with confidence. You can sit there and you, because you know what's going to happen. And this is the good news if you're in Jesus. You know the ending. So regardless of what plot twists come down, however your life goes in the directions you didn't expect, you still know how it's going to turn out. And because you know the destination, you can have hope and assurance in the present, regardless of where life takes you. Because you know the end of the story. Even when it seems like the things in our physical bodies, in our world, in the life that we have around us seem like they're trending down, we know it's actually bringing us, as the Apostle Paul says, it's bringing us closer to the culmination. It's bringing us closer to the ultimate payoff. It's bringing us closer to the end of the story where that end is certain. And because that's true, even when things are difficult, even when they don't make sense, you can and have hope. And Paul says it in verse 16. He says, because of this, because this phenomena is true, because if you're a Jesus follower, your belief system has these consequences, we do not lose heart. Imagine sitting in that game where the team is going to turn it around at the end, but the score is run up and things don't look good. Imagine knowing how it was actually going to turn out. You wouldn't lose heart in that moment if you knew that. And in your life, if you know Jesus, you do know that. And that is the good news and the blessed hope that we have. And we discover even in the midst of all that that the twists and the turns of life that thing when things don't seem like they're going in the right direction, they can actually have meaning and purpose because the destination gives them that. But as we close this series, there's a couple of things that we can do that are beyond feeling and hoping. There's a couple things that we see in this text that we can apply to our lives as we attempt to live out our beliefs the things that we say are true that have consequences in the decisions we make and the directions that our lives take us. And here's what they are. This is the first one. Turn your belief into faith. Turn your belief into faith. You know, when you hear uh, those words, they sound kind of like the same thing, right? Those, those, those both sound like good Christian words for the same thing. But the Apostle Paul, in, in verse 13 of this passage, he talks about there's actually a spirit of faith. 
But remember where we began this series and even this talk today, the idea that belief always takes you on a journey. If you're actually doing it, it takes you somewhere. Wherever you discover the word faith in the New Testament, in the Bible, it's, it's a Greek word that is always a verb. It's always an action word. And so faith is not something you have. Faith is something you do. Faith is not something that you have. It's not a list of doctrinal statements or bullet points. It's actually something that you live out. And so the challenge we have here and the thing that, that Paul says that we need to do is we need to actually have a spirit, not just a belief, but a spirit of faith, a, a spirit of faith that is lived out where, where, where belief is put into action, where it's risk, where it has consequences to our lives. You know, you cannot be faithful and do nothing. You cannot do it. You cannot be faithful and do nothing. You know, I had a friend many, many years ago, you know, who, who fancied themselves uh, as a songwriter. And I'm a musician by background, and I was, would always ask, you know, that's great. Like, where are the songs that you've written? And this person never could share a song that they had written. And maybe they had them and maybe they didn't. And I never will know the answer to that. But you can't be a songwriter unless you have something to show for it. It's an idea. It's an aspiration. It's wishful thinking. You can't study running. You can't watch runners. You can't buy the gear and sit on the sidelines. If you're actually a runner, it means that you have put the gear on and you've actually taken that belief system and you've put it into action and now it has consequences in your life. And so faith is something you have to do. Faith always equals belief plus action. It's saying, I believe this and therefore I'm going to move into action and give it consequences in my life. And here's the catch with this, is even if you say you believe some things and you don't move into action, you actually are still moving. You're just not moving in the direction that you say that you're moving. This is true with your priorities. It's true with your resources. It's true with your relationships. It's true with what we proclaim, not only with our lives, but with our lips, with our words and the things that we do. We all fancy ourselves good parents, good husbands, good wives, good citizens, good employees or employers. But what is actually true is determined by what we do. What's actually true is determined by how those things have consequences. And here's what happens when you do that. The moment you begin to move those things into action, just like we would like to happen, we'd love for you know, the, the music to play and the lights to come up and it to be this big glorious ending, usually what happens is we run into talents, we run into trouble, our faith is tested. And it's in those moments we discover what's really true what we really believe. You know, you take that step of faith and you say, you know, I'm going to trust God with my finances and therefore, you know, I'm going to be generous. And it's usually in that moment that really there's something that pulls that into tension. There's a need or there's something that seems like a lack or you're not certain how it's all going to work out. And that's when those things are tested. You know, for many of us here in New Jersey, if you're local, this past week we had the craziest rain. We had so much rain. Like where I lived, I had nine inches of rain. I've never gotten that much rain. 
But it was in the midst of that storm that whether my house would stay dry or whether it get, would get wet, where the water would go, what would happen as a result was truly tested. When the sun is out, we can hope and we can wish and we can plan. But when we step into action, it's in those moments usually that that comes. But here's what happens if you continue to be faithful, if you continue to walk forward, is God shows up. When you're faithful, even when the circumstances tell you to go in another direction or to give it up or to throw in the towel or to go back to the way you were doing things. If you walk into that tension, I believe this 100%, and this is why it's so different for us if you're a Jesus follower and a person of faith, is that God shows up. And when you do that, it actually builds your faith. And it gives you more faith to take the next step. So turn your belief into faith but when you run into those obstacles, keep going with the belief that God will meet you in the midst of that. But when you're in those tough moments, how do you keep going? More than just kind of pulling yourself up and gritting your teeth and burying it. We see that in the passage too. We see in verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, because all these things are true, now we do something. So we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, not on the things around us, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on a balance beam. I have. And the way to fall off the balance beam is to look down or to look to the side. And the way to stay on it is to look ahead. It's to look at the destination. It's to glance down, but to look ahead. And this is true in all sorts of sports. Baseball, you keep your eye where? On the ball. Soccer, football, distracted driving, keep your eyes where? On the road. Not on the other people, not on your phone, but on the road. There's a principle of life that is involved here that you fix your eyes on the destination of where you're going. You know, there was this one time in upstate New York. It's the one time in my life I've been water skiing. It was up in the Adirondacks. Beautiful day, beautiful boat, beautiful water. I put the skis on, and it looks easy, right? You know, and I was there, and I had grabbed onto the rope, and I was getting ready for the boat to pull me up, and it did, and it was way faster than I thought it was going to be, and I made the biggest mistake I could possibly make. I looked down. I looked around, and you know the rest of the story. I got dragged by my eyeballs through the water as I fell off the skis. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on the destination. You know what happens in life when we run into difficulty so often is we look down. And we glance ahead. We look up there briefly, but we keep our eyes down here. And really what we discover when we fix our eyes is we're looking ahead. We're glancing down. We're not, we're not ignoring the circumstances and the reality of where we find ourselves. But our gaze is focused on the destination. And the trials and the troubles and the difficulties of life, they will do everything possible to distract your gaze. And if we don't rehearse this, learn this when it's easy, we'll never be able to do it when it's hard. So when we fix our eyes on what's ahead, we're rehearsing, we're practicing, we're calling to mind, we're actually giving the things that we say we believe consequences. And so even when the road gets dark, even when it seems like the waters are rising, 
even when it seems like the winds are picking up. We fix our eyes on what's ahead. And so when the volume on all those other things turns up, we know where to look. We know what to look for. And we know how to do it. And the way that we fix our eyes on what's unseen, the thing that would get obscured, that would be crowded out by the rest of our lives and the circumstances, we repeat it, we rehearse it, we dwell on it. We gather together with others. That's why being part of a church is such an important thing in living out our faith is we're able to remind each other. But we know what it looks like. We know where it is. And we know how to keep our gaze locked on it. And so fixing your eyes is when you take your beliefs, you know why you believe them, but you put them into practice. And you do it over and over again. And this is why it matters so much what you believe. Not just knowing it, not just intellectually agreeing to a set of statements or bullet points, but actually living it, turning it into faith, fixing our eyes on the destination, which even as our own bodies, even as our own lives seem like they're going in one direction, this is getting closer and brighter and more in focus. But continuing to do it, on the road ahead. And that's the power of belief. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that if we've put our faith in you through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have a blessed and glorious hope where the end of this life is not the end, or even the ends of the lives of those who we love, our family, our friends, if they're in you, is not the end. We have the blessed hope that we'll see you face to face and we'll see them again. We have the blessed hope that even as suffering, as difficulty, as the twisted and turning path of our lives seems so uncertain at times that the destination is certain. Maybe for some of us today, it's a time to begin to lock that destination in our minds once again. And maybe for a few of us, it's to do it the first time, to put our hope in Jesus and to pray a prayer that says something like, Jesus, I acknowledge that you're my Savior and you're my Lord. I confess that I've sinned and fallen short of your glory, but that you have come to forgive me, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, to place your spirit in me and give me hope. Would this be a day where we are certain of our destination, where we begin to walk out the things that we believe, and make them faith, but then to fix our eyes so that even when the storms and the winds and the rain and the darkness and the uncertainty comes, we would have hope. We thank you that we do not walk that journey alone. We walk it together with each other, but more importantly than that, we walk it together with the power of your spirit within us. Would that be hope for our journey today and in the days to come? We thank you for this time that we've had together and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. 